Now let's continue on in Hebrews, the second chapter. This is an important part right here in Hebrews 2 because it shows the love of God, the purpose of God, why we're here, where we're going, and then chapter 3 reflects back upon what the children of Israel actually did in the wilderness. See, And it's quite an amazing thing when you come to understand it. So, let's pick it up here. Verse 9. Okay. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor on account of suffering the death, the death on the cross, and all the scourging and everything that went with it. Okay. In order, he did this, here's the purpose of it. Because God wants people to be in his kingdom. He loves them. He did this to show his love and his mercy and his grace and his truth. And how that in Christ, the only begotten of God the Father, did this. And we know that in John the 10th chapter, he said that he laid his life down willingly. No one took it from him. He laid it down willingly. Okay. And because he was perfect in his behavior, he had the blessing of receiving it back. And that was because He always did the things that pleased the Father. And he always kept the laws and commandments of God in the spirit of God. Okay? And this is what he wants us to do. And this is why it becomes such a, a difficult and desperate thing in many ways that people come along and bring their own religion to it and then mess up everything that God has has done. And this is what has happened. And it's really an amazing thing. And remember, remember Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. But the one who does the will of God. Okay? And then Jesus said to all these preachers out there, again, every single Sunday keeping preacher knows better. Because you can go to any one of them and ask the question In the Bible, which day is the day that? The Bible shows we should worship on the first day or the seventh day. Well, they'll tell you the seventh day, but, see, that means they're living, breaking the laws of God. See? So let's read on. 
because it was fitting, verse 10, for him for whom all things were created and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons unto glory to make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now, why, why, why does suffering perfect you? Because when things are bad and you're suffering and things are not going right, you're what? You're susceptible to giving up, to relieve the pressure and the tension, right? Well, if you stay loyal and faithful and loving and keeping the commandments of God, and especially the Sabbath, as we will see here in just a little bit, then that brings perfection because you did it when it was difficult, when it was hard, when it was against everything that everyone else did, you stuck to the truth. And that's what he's saying here with Jesus. Okay. And that made him perfect in all of his behavior when he was a human being. Okay. For both he who is sanctifying and those who are sanctified are all of one for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I want you to think about that. Sometimes you think that things are really tough and difficult, and they are right now. Yeah, we've had that. But that's just a small foretaste of what's coming, okay? Look at Venezuela. You might as well say hello, Venezuela, and embrace it because that's what's coming here, okay? Will you remain faithful? Will you remain true? That's the question, see. So, being called the brethren of Jesus, here's what he's going to do for us when we're on the sea of glass. One of the first things, now think about this. We're the children of God the Father, right? And God the Father wants to see his sons and his daughters, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't that be the first thing you would do? Yeah. Now, I know what that's like. I've seen all of our children born. I've held them right after they were born. And what do you want to do? You want to see them? You want to look at them? You want to make sure everything is there? Right? Well, what do you think God the Father is wanting to do when the resurrection takes place? Huh? So notice what Jesus is going to do because this is part of his perfection. Perfecting us. Okay, let's read it. Verse 12 saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the church. I will sing praises to you. And again, now watch that phrase again. Okay. I will be trusting in him. And again, behold, I 
and the children whom God has given me. Quite a thing, see. So just remember this. You belong to God the Father and Jesus Christ. And you need to stay in your relationship with him with prayer and study so that you love him and that you begin to grasp the greatness of what God is doing. And I can't help but referring to those pic- those pictures of the James Webb telescope photos. Amazing. Amazing. See? So this gives us just a little boop what it's going to be like to be a spirit being. But here is Jesus presenting all of us to the Father. Formal meeting on the sea of glass. Here are all the saints, all the patriarchs, all all on the big sea of glass. The world down below is going crazy because they don't know what to do. They think this is an invasion from outer space, which it is. And Christ is up there, and the first things he's going to do, the Father's going to come down, and he's going to say, Behold, I and the children, the brethren you have given me. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it, huh? Think of that. Okay. Verse 14. Therefore, since the children are partakers of flesh and blood, in like manner he also took part of the same, in order that through death he might annul him who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And remember this, everything about Satan's way is death. And that he might deliver them who were subject to bondage all through their lives by their fear of death, okay, to rescue us from that. And everybody's fearful of death, yet no one wants to die. But everybody does die. What a conundrum, huh? Okay. For surely he is not taking upon himself to help the angels, but he's taking upon himself to help the seed of Abraham. Now then, this does not mean the physical children of Israel. This means that if we are Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's all Jew and Gentile. Okay? Those are the true sons and daughters of Abraham. Verse 17. For this reason it was obligatory for him to be made like his brethren in everything so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. in order to make the propitiation for the sins of the people. Have our sins forgiven, forgotten, removed, expunged. 
For because he himself has suffered, having been tempted in like manner, he is also able to help those who are being tempted. So that's what you need to do. If you're having a struggle and you have a temptation coming upon you, draw close to God. Don't sit there and wonder, well, I wonder why this is coming. And instead of going to God and praying, you, you, you try and figure it out yourself. Well, the temptation is going to be there. And if you don't go to God and get rid of that temptation, then Satan's going to come along and make it more intense. And then it will soon reach a point of being so intensified that you have your weakness takes over and you sin. See? So this is why he became the propitiation for the sins of the, of the people. Okay? For because he himself has suffered, having been tempted in like manner, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, have you ever been tempted like Jesus had been tempted by Satan the devil? And remember, this was after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. So how strong do you think he was physically? Well, not very strong indeed, because afterwards the angels had to come and help him. Okay, But how strong was he spiritually? Because even the greatest and most profound temptations brought upon Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, God manifested in the flesh, and he never yielded to Satan once. And then that gave him the strength to always resist the sin, always resist the temptation, and be in right standing with God. Now, chapter 3. Chapter 3 is very interesting indeed. There's something about chapter 3 that a lot of people don't even know. Okay? So, it talks about the first part here, a Jesus, our apostle and a high priest. Okay? He was faithful to God, much more so than Moses was with God and the children of Israel. Okay? And that, Jesus was much greater than Moses because Moses was a steward or caretaker of the house. Okay? But Christ is the one who builds the house. That is the New Testament church. And we're all part of that and how that is built, see? We find that in verse 6. Hebrews, the third chapter. But on the other hand, Christ was faithful as his son over his own house, whose house we are, if we are truly holding fast the confession and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. There again, to the end. See. Not just halfway there. Okay. Now then, for this reason, even as the Holy Spirit says, today, 
If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. As it was in the wilderness, in the rebellion, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Where your fathers tempted me and tried me and saw my works 40 years because of this, I was indignant with that generation and said, they are always going astray in their hearts. Now stop and think about all the times that they went against God while they were on the way to the promised land. Okay? And what was one of the first big sins? The golden calf and Sunday worship. Okay? There, there were other temptations and t- Ten of them were so added up to such a powerful thing that God would not let them go into the promised land, but condemned them for 40 years wandering in the wilderness. But the question is, did they learn anything? No, because everyone that was over 20 died in the wilderness and their bodies were strewn in the desert. And why? And why? Now remember, because Moses wanted God to spare the people and to spare Aaron, God did it. But what he did do, he moved the tent of the meeting outside the camp. Why? Because the children of Israel were constantly sinning and constantly dying because of their rebellion. Okay? Now let's come to Amos, the fifth chapter. I want to read you something in the wilderness here where it says, If they will enter into my rest. Okay? Well, they didn't go in. Why? Because they didn't obey God. They didn't believe him. And think what that was like. It was virtually this. For that whole 40 years, it was Moses and God, and then a few of the children who didn't sin grievously against God. But even they did not keep the Sabbath. Huh? Let's come back to Amos, the fifth chapter. Let's see what God says. See, because it was a a very difficult thing that happened as shown in Amos, the fifth chapter. So let's come here. Amos 5, verse 21. Remember what we read earlier about Christ in Hebrews, the first chapter? That he loved righteousness and hated sin or hated lawlessness. Okay? Now, I want you to apply that right back here. Amos 5, verse 21. Here's what God says. I hate. I despise. Your feast days. Now, those are not the feast days of God. 
We'll see. And I will take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Why? I want you to think about it. If they were doing them according to the word of God, would he not accept them? Huh? If they were following the instructions that God said for burnt offerings and for meal offerings and for drink offerings, if they did it correctly, that would have been fine, right? All right, let's read on. Though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard the peace offerings of your fat animals. Take the noise of your songs away from me. Think about it for a minute. We have the same thing today. Here we have Sunday worship, all these wonderful songs and all of this sort of thing. But it's on the wrong day and to the wrong God. And they think they're worshiping God the Father and Jesus Christ, but they're worshiping Satan the devil because it's not on the Sabbath. Let's read it here. Okay. Take the noise of your songs away from me, for I will not hear the melody of your harps, but let judgment roll down like waters and righteousness like mighty streams. Have you offered sacrifices and offerings to me Forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? Quite a question. A lot of people assume that they did, but they didn't. Let's read it. But now you have carried the tabernacle of your Moloch and Chayun, your images, the star of your gods, which you have made for yourselves. So, here's Moses, here's God, here's the tent of the meeting, here's the tabernacle, and Aaron, and the Levites, the children of Israel, and their own tabernacle to Moloch in the wilderness alongside the tabernacle of God. Now think of that. See, That's why God said, back here in Hebrews, the third chapter, if they will enter into my rest, in other words, if they didn't keep the Sabbath, they weren't going to enter into the Holy Land. That's what that means. And that become very important to understand. Okay. So let's come back here to Hebrews, the third chapter again. Okay. Verse 5. Now unto one had Moses was faithful in all his, his house as a ministering servant for testimony of those things which are going to be spoken of afterwards. But on the other hand, Christ was faithful as the son over his own house whose house we are, if we are truly holding the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. For this reason, 
even as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the rebellion in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Okay? Where your fathers tempted me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. But of this, I was indignant with that generation because of it and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, which was what? If they kept the Sabbath day. Because the Sabbath day was the rest which pointed toward the promised land. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And how quickly after they got into the promised land, even after the death of all of those who were 20 and over, just as soon as Joshua and the elders died, what happened? Bam! Right back to their false religion again. Okay? So here it is. So I swore in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, that is, if they will keep my Sabbath, this is not just entering into the promised land. Beware, brethren, lest perhaps there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in apostatizing from the living God. Rather, be encouraging one another each day while it's called today so that none of you, because hardened by, by the deceitfulness of sin, for we are companions of Christ if we truly hold the confidence that we had at the beginning steadfast to the end, as it is being said today. All right. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. For some, after hearing, did rebel, but not all who escaped out of Egypt by Moses. And with whom was he indignant for 40 years? Was it not with those who had sinned? And as we saw, continue to sin, Amos, the fifth chapter whose dead bodies were strewn in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest except to those who had disobeyed? See? If they didn't keep the Sabbath, they weren't going into the promised land. There you have it. See? Now, then we come to chapter 4, and we'll see what that means, huh? Okay. So we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. Now, chapter 4. A lot of people think, well, this is talking about how you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, eventually it'll get there. But you need to understand, number one, the the Protestants don't understand this because they will tell you, oh, Well, Jesus kept the Sabbath for me. I don't have to keep it. (laughs) See? Really? 
Well, if Jesus kept the Sabbath for you, then he keeps all the Ten Commandments for you, and you don't have to do them. You can go out and do anything you want to, and then God has got to save you because of Christ. You have no love, no loyalty, no obedience on your part. You have pure grace and a false faith and a false grace. See? So let's see what it says. Let's go on, chapter 4. Therefore, we should fear, lest perhaps a promise being open to enter into his rest, any of you might seem to come short. For truly, we have had the gospel preached to us, even as they did, but the preaching of the word did not profit them, because it was not mixed with faith than those who heard. They heard about the Sabbath and everything else, didn't take. Verse 3, for we who have believed, we ourselves are entering into the rest as he said. See, if we're believing, we're entering into the rest of the Sabbath day, even as he said. Okay, now then. If you don't do that, okay, so I swore in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, but they didn't do it. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spoke in a certain place about the seventh day in this manner. So there it is right there. Sabbath keeping becomes the key important thing in your relationship with God. Okay. For he spoke in a certain place about the seventh day on this matter. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So when it talks about in the Greek, the katapason, that is God's Sabbath day. He puts his presence in the Sabbath day, every single Sabbath. Okay. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, concerning this, if they shall enter into my rest, that's the question. Are you going to enter into keeping the Sabbath or not? See? And this is the challenge to all of Protestantism. You're in utter rebellion against God and your salvation that you're preaching is worthless. Verse 6. Consequently, since it remains for some to enter into it, those who had previously heard the gospel did not enter in because of disobedience. Again, he marks a certain day Today, saying in David after so long a time, exactly as it has been quoted above, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Okay? Now then, verse 8 shows us that entering into the Sabbath had nothing to do with entering into the promised land. And he clarifies it by saying this, For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have 
spoken long afterwards of another day. Now, verse 9 is the key. Here it is. Right here. There remains, therefore, Sabbath-keeping, Sabbatismos, Sabbath-keeping for the people of God. It doesn't say Sabbath-keeping for the Jews. The people of God. Jew and Gentile, male and female, young and old. Okay? There remains, therefore, Sabbath-keeping for the people of God, for the one who has entered into his rest. Now, listen to what it says here. He also had ceased from his work, just as God did from his own. What was that? That's where God made the Sabbath day and gave it to Adam and Eve, right? That's what he's talking about, okay? So it goes all the way back to there. Now, let's read verse 10 again. For the one who has entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works, just as God did from his his own works. We should be diligent, therefore, to enter into that rest, the Sabbath. We should be diligent to keep the Sabbath, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. All right? Now, let's ask a question. Okay. What happened to the people when they were told you don't have to keep the Sabbath? Where are they? Where did they go? They left God. And why? Because they had rebellious teachers. And they themselves were not close enough to God in their own way to resist the rebellion of their teachers and to be obedient to God and Jesus Christ and love them, keep his commandments, and keep his Sabbath. Now then, let's see what we're dealing with. Okay? Read that verse again. Verse 11. We should be diligent, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing of sunder of both soul and spirit and of both joint and marrow and is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. See? So, if you don't love God and keep his Sabbath and keep his words and his commandments, it's not just a matter of Sabbath-keeping. It's a matter that Sabbath-keeping becomes a very strong thing that you do because you believe, because the Jews keep the Sabbath, but they have no understanding of God's plan. See? Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the question becomes, what do you think of the Sabbath day? What do you think of the holy days? 
What do you think of the ways of God? What do you think of the word of God? Do you live by every word of God, as Jesus said? What is it that you do, see? And that's why it's so important, see? Because you enter into the rest of God, which is the seventh-day Sabbath, just like he rested on the seventh-day Sabbath that he made beginning with Adam and Eve. So do we, we catch the whole breadth of everything that the Sabbath brings to us, okay? Now notice, after he says, able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart, and there, verse 13, and there is not a created thing that is not manifested in his sight. See? You know? No such thing as a secret with God. He knows all secrets. He knows all thoughts. He's created us with a mind that at any time he wants to know what we're thinking, he's able to do that. Okay? But all things are naked. No protection or covering. And laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we must give account. Okay? It's there. So this is why. And it's so powerful because Paul was writing this while he was in prison just before he was released. And it was sent to the Apostle James and those down in Jerusalem so that they would understand that they need to really do what God says in love, in faith, in truth, in understanding, and that is New Testament doctrine. We are to diligently enter into his rest as he entered into his rest. Okay? Now then, verse 14. Having therefore a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, we should hold fast the confession of our faith. For we do not have a high priest who cannot empathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in all things according to the likeness of our own temptations, yet he was without sin. Therefore, we should come with boldness to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so that tells us really the tremendous importance of the Sabbath day. And that's New Testament doctrine, brethren. See? So don't let any of the Protestants ever fool you by saying that, that the Sabbath is for the Jews, but Sunday is for the Gentiles. And that went and started way back early and has stuck to us this day. And it goes way back before that with the children of Israel rebelling against the Sabbath in the wilderness. And then after they got into the promised land, 
They had a little bit of rest for a little time while Joshua was the head. And then when he died and all the elders died, you read it in Judges, the second chapter. Bang! The children of Israel went after Moloch again. Went after Ashtoreth. Went, went after everything. See? So it gets it gets down to this. Do we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and being? Do we believe what he said? Do we believe it's the 100% word of God and truth? This is where we are. And this is how we need to fortify our minds and our thoughts and our hearts with all the troubles that are coming upon us. So I hope you've had a good Sabbath. And thank you for watching our live services. And we'll see you next week at the same time. No, no. Correction. No, no. Next week we won't have live services because we will have an elders conference on Sabbath and Sunday, August 13th and 14th. Almost forgot about that, but we got it in. Thanks, Jonathan, for not cutting it off. (laughs) See you then.